This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everyone. You're listening to By the Book with Sharmila Ganesan. And as always, my fellow lover of short stories, Lee Chui Lin. Hello. So today we are actually uh, going to be speaking to um, a short story writer. Mark DeFeature is actually a uh, writer and an editor. He spent a fair amount of time in Malaysia, 15 years in fact, uh, currently though based in France. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on, Jamila. So Mark has just put out his second anthology of short stories, Lime, Pickled and Other Stories. Now, the stories in this anthology were written over the course of your stay in Malaysia. Uh, This spanned, as I said, uh, about 15 years. Looking back at them now, how would you describe the feel or tone of the stories? I think it would be fair to say they're quite dark. Uh, some of them are quite grim. Um, they're not necessarily the type of stories the Malaysian tourist ministry is going to want people to read. That's fair. I think that's fair. And we're going to get into that in more detail. But um, considering the duration of time from which uh, or during which you wrote these stories, what was the process of uh, choosing and then arranging the stories for this collection? How did you create that sense of uh, cohesion and flow? And was that important to you? Well, I'm, I'm not entirely sure there is a sense of, of cohesion. The, the story order changed a, a lot and a lot of that was done in conjunction with um, with Ivy Niao, who was the editor for uh, Leopard Print Press. Um, So she was one who was uh, instrumental in terms of trying to rhythm them. Obviously, many of the stories are very um, different in terms of length. Some are very, very short and and some are quite long. So um, that was part of what went into the equation as to which stories which should follow which. Then there was a certain chronology. Some stories are set more in the past, some more in the present day. So we tried to get the ones uh, based in, in the past closer to the beginning, so to speak. Um, but there was, there was a lot of juggling. It was hard to find a, an order that really worked. And uh, I'm not entirely convinced this one does, but that, that's how it is. Now, this is your second anthology. The first one was Tropical Madness back in 2013. So actually, uh, exactly 10 years apart. Um, yeah. How has your storytelling changed or evolved over the years? That's a difficult question. It's one I think any writer has uh, trouble having perspective on. Um, The thing with this new collection is some of those stories are almost as old as some of the stories that appeared in uh, Tropical Madness. Some of them were were published by Boku Fixie in in the years that followed. So we're looking at um, probably 2014, 2015, 2016 for for some of them anyway. So... uh, and they really are stories that, that span quite a, a period of time. Um, I think, if anything, well, the later written stories, um, I knew Malaysia even better. Um, and I drew on a, a lot of what I was seeing around me and, and hearing around me and a lot of my own personal experience as well. So, I guess... Um we wanted to ask you this as well, considering the two collections. What draws you to writing short stories? Um, I've also been writing novels, but uh, novels are very, very difficult uh, to write. Uh, even more difficult to get published, it appears. 
So um, short story is that at least you can say there's a set amount of time I will dedicate to this story. And uh, even if it takes a few months or something you set aside and come back to after a few years and work on again, um, it's easier to finish. Uh, and then it's easier to abandon as well if it doesn't work. Uh, whereas with the novel, it can be uh, very hard to finish, very hard to uh, abandon, and uh, in my experience, very hard to get published as well since I haven't published any novels yet. And you started off um, our chat by describing the tone of the stories as somewhat dark. And, and Shamila and I have both read the collection. We're going to review it later. We've also spoken about it off air. And um, we're in agreement on that, that there is a darkness to that. And we wanted to explore it a little bit. But before that, I wanted to also just ask you, since we're talking about short stories um, and since the themes in this collection are quite dark, I guess how do the two relate? Is it easier to write about these sort of glimpses of darkness or to explore these things um, when it's in a shorter form as opposed to something like a novel or, say, poetry? I think it's possible to have uh, dark novels. Um, I Sometimes I, I think of um, writers working in the American Deep South, uh, this kind of um, Louisiana, there's this heavy, cloying, uh, hot and humid atmosphere and there's this dark undercurrent that runs through things and, and I find a lot of similarity in, in Malaysia with that so I, I don't think uh, that necessarily precludes a novel length I think that's just uh, my, my inability to write something uh, novel length is, is the story there Now you're originally from Ireland. You've lived in a number of places, including Malaysia, as we've said. When you're writing as a migrant about an adopted country, there are a number of challenges there, right? On the one hand, to not impose perhaps an outsider's lens, but on the other hand, to also capture th things through a fresh eye. Uh, you might even contend with people saying, are you even the one to be telling these stories at all? How did you balance these different elements? I think that's something very difficult uh, to to look at. Either you, you make a decision you're going to tell stories or you're not going to tell stories. Um, they say, well, you should write what you know. What I know is uh, the, the life of an immigrant. Uh, the life of an immigrant in Malaysia is something I know. So uh, the fact that many of the stories in this book and in Tropical Madness are uh, about lives of immigrants in Malaysia is something... Uh, even if they're not of my nationality or not all of my nationality, um, at least it's, it's something where uh, I, I have a, a degree of experience in. So I, I don't think I'm necessarily um, writing outside my sphere of uh, experience entirely. Um, that said, then, there's fiction. Fiction is not fact. Uh, fiction is making things up. Fiction is... Uh, an exercise in empathy and trying to imagine how a person might behave in a certain situation. And it's not for nothing that I included the quote, which um, actually came from the book launch of Tropical Madness in in, uh, in Penang. Uh, Cecilia Regender was present. And this, again, this topic came up as it always does with a, with a European writer writing about Malaysian stories. Um, he very succinctly put it, you don't need to be a daffodil to write about flowers. Or, sorry, the other way around. You don't need to be a flower to write about daffodils. So I put that in the, in, in the beginning. So um, 
It, it is a complex issue, yes. Uh, I don't want to step on anybody's feet. Um, I think the stories have to stand up to scrutiny in themselves. If, if they were written right by a Malaysian writer, would they stand up as, 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 as authentic? Um, or do they feel like they, they have this external narrative imposed on them from this uh, Western perspective? Um, and that's not really for me to, to judge whether they do or not. I think that's up to Malaysian readers or any other readers to, to judge the stories on their merit rather than on the nationality and origins of the of the writer. It's difficult again to, to, to separate the, the the writer and the work or the artist and the art. It, it's always the same debate. It goes around, is there a line? Where do you draw it? Uh, Your writing career also sort of took off in Malaysia in many ways. Was there something particular about being here that inspired that? I think um, being Irish, for one thing, we, we have a, a culture of reading and writing, so that was something I very much grew up with. Um, but also the, the, how would I say this diplomatically, the bar to writing in Ireland is extremely high uh, to get any stories. And I've been lucky enough to have a few stories um, published in literary magazines in, in Ireland, but... Uh, I'm, I'm very far from the, the big league, so to speak. Um, in Malaysia, it wasn't so much I felt like it was a, a big fish in a small pond, but uh, just any fish in the pond. Um, as you know yourself, you, you also published a short story writer in, in Malaysia. It's a relatively small scene, and um, anybody who's a reasonably competent uh, uh, storyteller has, has a good chance of being noticed. Um, so, so certainly that played in my favour in Malaysia. Um, also, I think it, we, this this smallness of the Malaysian writing scene makes it also very um, nurturing. So there's a lot of uh, mutual encouragement that goes on that maybe in other circumstances in other countries I, I don't have the experience of that and might not necessarily be the case. And I certainly uh, benefited from a lot of encouragement by. Uh, um, by other writers writing in Malaysia, whether they were Malaysian or, or of other nationalities. Just to close the loop on that question of being being a migrant writing in Malaysia, you know, your stories have a very lived-in quality to them from the way places are described to uh, how different people speak. And this is something that we talk a lot about on the show as well, the, the challenges that writers writing locally sometimes have in getting the way people from different communities might speak in a genuine and um, not stereotypical way. So what was your process of trying to land this and getting that right? Well, I'm a native... English speaker who hasn't lived in an English speaking country in nearly 35 years. So my entire life has, has um, been trying to, to navigate that. And when I was in Malaysia, I was never part of any um, English speaking or uh, uh, clique apart from the, the literary scene, which I would uh, encounter in person once a year at the Georgetown Literary Festival. But apart from that, um, I lived in my little kampong and the only people I met were Malaysians and the only people I spoke with were Malaysians and some spoke perfect English and some didn't speak any English and there was everything in between. Um, 
And I would listen to the rhythms of how people speak. I would be interested by the vocabulary. Um, living in Malaysia really brought home to me that there are so many different Englishes. And even in terms of um, Malaysian English or Manglish, if we want to use that term, there are many, many variations of that as well. Um, and I find all that fascinating. Um, my wife is not a native English speaker. Um, she's a Malaysian, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Chinese, born and bred. And um, certainly I, I picked up with a, a, a quite a degree of her um, idiolect, if I might say. And um, I've used that to the best of my ability uh, in some of the stories. I think that, that that's quite obvious in, in, in one of the stories in particular. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that, that's been an influence, the, the language that I hear around me or heard around me as the case is now. We're speaking with writer Mark DeFeature about his uh, latest short story collection called Lime Pickled and Other Stories. We'll be back after this to continue our conversation, but let us know, are you a fan of short stories set in Malaysia? What are some of your favourites? You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking to writer Mark DeFeature about his latest short story collection, Lime Pickled and Other Stories. Uh, it's just been published. So, Mark, there is a strong theme of unheard voices and communities in this collection. What drew you to telling these stories? That's a, a tricky question. As I, as I mentioned earlier, being an immigrant uh, myself, um, I, I reject this label of uh, expat uh, vehemently. Uh, I'm an immigrant, certainly an immigrant living in, in different circumstances to, to what might classically be uh, qualified as, as an immigrant, but uh, um, still a foreigner, still a, an, an outsider inside, looking out from the inside, so to speak. So it, it gives a certain perspective. And um, I think the sense of um, injustice is, is what uh, propelled me to write several of these stories. The, the, the things I would read about or the people I would meet on the stories they would tell me. Um, and uh, I've met many uh, immigrants of different nationalities uh, living and working in, in, in Malaysia for a number of years as well. And uh, certainly as a as a white person, I know my experience is much more privileged than theirs for, for the most part. And um, is it my role to tell their stories for them? That's always a very tricky one, um, not necessarily, um, but there are stories that are worth being heard, I, I feel, I felt. Um, and that weren't being told or, or weren't being heard or uh, were being heard and just simply ignored or swept under the carpet. So, uh, um, yeah, this is certain, as I said, this, this theme of uh, injustice was one of uh, the things that propelled me through this. Alongside that, of course, there are also a fair number of stories focused on more privileged visitors to Malaysia, whether as tourists or as, uh, and I'm using the word within, you know, inverted commas, expats. What were you trying to get at with these stories and with that contrast? 
there's a, a multitude of experiences of, of life. We, there's no concrete uh, single reality. Uh, everybody has different perspectives. I, th I think uh, what I was hoping was to give a more, uh, how would I say, giving multiple perspectives to give a, a larger, broader perspective that um, the, 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 the some of the parts would, would become a... a a little bit more than just their their individual component stories that it would give a sort of a, a broader vision and there are very many different experiences to the world to to malaysia as many as there are individuals of course um so so i'd say there was that but also just in terms of the creativity then um the the challenge of creating a, a different voice or a different setting or a, or a different narrative or, or a different inspiration uh, um, it, it's different stories, so so uh, obviously they're not all going to be the same. I found it quite interesting that in many of the stories, you don't explicitly mention the city that the story is set in or the place it's set in or even the country sometimes. And as Malaysians, so much of this is immediately very familiar. How do you think these locations and specificities will translate to a non-Malaysian audience? I, I don't know. I don't know. I try to to be uh, to set things in in a certain reality. I did want to maintain a certain ambiguity. At a certain stage, the whole project was going to be in a completely fictional place, um, and part of why I changed my mind on that was because finally I left Malaysia and I felt freer to be able to uh, express and 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 uh, and put in places and things like this. But. Uh, um, originally, the whole thing was on a, on a fictional island, a, a little bit like um, uh, Shivani Shivagurunathan, for, for example. She uses this coal island as a, as a kind of a, a metaphorical other place that stands in for, for Malaysia. Um, one of the working titles for this collection at one stage was Island Time. <laughs> um, so this idea that it was based on a, on, a, on an island, and, and many of the stories are are based on an island. And, and given that I spent most of the time uh, I lived in Malaysia, most of those fifteen years were in Langkawi and and then in in Penang. Well, then that, that tied in with that as well. So. The stories overall um, do have this sense um, that present a rather bleak view or version of Malaysia at this particular moment. It's not a view that I think is unfair, but I think it's one that, um, you know, for all our, we all get along, we live in a beautiful land kind of marketing, it might be a little bit difficult to square away. Uh, talk to us about where this came from and did you grapple with how it might come across from someone who might be perceived or seen as not from here? Very much so, yes, very much so. Um, I tried to address that. Um, we, we discussed this then with the editors, with um, Ivy and then with Josh, who is also the co-founder of uh, Leopard Print Press, that um, the afterword might give a bit of context to the story. And... Um, I went through some some difficulties in in Malaysia, and I encountered some situations that certainly uh, very much uh, coloured my vision of the of the country. Um, was it all that? No, um, but I don't think all the all the stories are either. Um, 
maybe it's easier for uh, an outsider to to criticize something. I I, I don't know. Um, maybe it's heard in a different way than if it's someone from the inside. Um, but uh, earlier I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw a Malaysian criticizing Malaysian food, and I thought, well, you can get away with that. I never could. Um, <laughs> uh, the, it's it's uh, yeah, it's an unusual situation. I acknowledge that and. Um, I don't think there's any clear-cut answer. And uh, as I say, again, the, the stories will have to speak for themselves. And uh... I thought that the afterword did provide a lot of context. And considering um, your earlier answer about struggling with the order of the stories, I'm wondering if there was ever a discussion about putting the afterword at the front. Um, there wasn't actually, no. But uh, yeah, I... I that's the first time I've even thought about that. So, uh, I only yeah. ask because I think, um, I, I don't necessarily think it would have been better. <laughs> it's not an argument for better. I think it's more, um, you know, that, that question of providing context and whether it's desired or not. I, I don't have an answer. It's just a curiosity. I know at least one reviewer who mentioned that it helped them make uh, more sense of the book and, and uh, have a different perspective on it. Um, so maybe some readers say we'll want to start with the afterword. I mean, it's a short story collection. You can start at the back. You can start in the middle. You can start anywhere. Well, to follow on from that, actually, what were you hoping that readers might take away from this particular depiction of Malaysia? And do you think that might change depending on whether they live in Malaysia or not? I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure uh, I can I can answer that question at all. Um, I think. Uh, Everybody takes from a story what they bring to a story. And, uh, as, and as a writer, I can only bring to a story what I can bring to a story. But uh, I think every reader is going to um, come to it differently with a different perspective. So as to what they, they, they take then, as I say, it depends very much on what they bring to it. Um, if somebody wants to be uh, critical of some white guy living in Malaysia writing about it, something he has no idea about, well, certainly there'll be plenty of ammunition for them there if they want. If somebody wants to think, well, here's somebody who's spent a, a significant portion of their life uh, living in Malaysia um, with Malaysians and has told some stories about it, there'll be uh, something for them to take away as well. Um, I, I don't think it's up to, to a writer to, 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 to say what readers should uh, take away from stories. Mark, what's next for you uh, in terms of writing? What's next for me? What, what's ongoing? Um, there won't be any more Malaysian stories. That, that's for sure, um, because I'm not living in Malaysia then. So, so I left um, almost exactly a year ago now. So I feel it will be, um, how would I say, not, not, not un, untruthful, but um, again, this, this right what you know, Writing these stories, I mean, I'm surrounded by the, the settings. I'm living in the settings that I'm describing, and, and I feel I can do that justice. And um, to a certain extent, I felt I have my finger on the pulse. Now, I, I, I still follow what goes on in Malaysia. It's, it, it's still a, a place that's very important to me, um, a place where I still have quite a, quite a few ties on, on, on many different levels. Um, but there, there won't be any more Malaysian stories. Um, what I have been working on 
uh, in the last while is not even for um, my own writing is um, I was uh, approached uh, to do some translations of a of a French poet. So I've been um, translating French poetry into English, and so that's been my latest uh, writing project. And, and and the idea then is hopefully we'll 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 get a book out of that. And just in closing, where can people get Lime Pickled? This is a difficult question because um, the publisher is based in London and with Brexit then this has made shipping books from England a, a little bit complicated. Um, people, The simplest way if people have an e-reader or are prepared to read an e-book on a an iPad or even a phone, for example, is to buy an ebook, and and that they can get on practically any uh, platform that sells ebooks, whether it's Google Play or Amazon or uh, Kobo or, or anything like that. And the goal ultimately is that at least um, Garrett Budaya Bookshop in Penang and our good friend uh, Gareth there will be stocking some copies and. And he's expressed an eagerness to do that. Now, my understanding is the copies are on their way, um, but the shipping will take uh, some time. Mark, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you very much for having me on. We've been speaking with Mark DeFeature, whose uh, collection of short stories, Lime Pickled and Other Stories, has just come out. Um, you heard the different ways in which you can get it, hopefully soon in many more bookstores as well. Let us know, are you a fan of short stories set in Malaysia? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. brings us to footnotes and we are going to review Lime Pickled and Other Stories by Mark DeFeature. We just heard from the author himself just now. Um, I have to say, I very much enjoyed this collection of short stories and I use that word quite guardedly because it's difficult to enjoy the stories in this collection. So I think it's more fair to say I enjoyed the experience of reading them, but the stories themselves were tough in all the best ways. I was um, going to add on to that and kind of point out maybe the distinction to be made between I enjoyed reading them versus I thought that they were very good. Um, because I, I think the collection as a whole is very good. I think a lot of the individual stories, I was thinking about them uh, for the rest of the day or for, for the days after that. It made me reconsider, I guess, you know, the people that that make up Malaysia. Um, and I, I think the best writing or good storytelling ought to do that. It should make you reconsider the people that you see, but perhaps don't think about all that much um, in a different light. And that comes a lot from what we were talking about with Mark earlier, that idea or, or rather the ever-present theme of writing about marginalised communities, which is really a very strong one in this book. And to your point, Sharmila, about feeling, what's the word that you said earlier? You know, sort of feeling not great um, about reading these stories. I, I think that that I don't know how much of that comes down to an element of culpability, um, perhaps that anybody would feel when you see your country being written about in a way that is truthful, but also hard. 
uh, truthful, I think, is actually important. I mean, you and I work um, in a in a station and in an industry that is all usually having to deal with a lot of the issues that come up in the fiction in in Mark's book, right? And so. I wouldn't deny actually that this does some very important work in terms of uh, laying bare the ugliness that can exist beneath some of Malaysia's surfaces. And that is uncomfortable to read about. And that is difficult to read about. And it doesn't mean that one shouldn't read it, right? Um, the title story, for instance, which is actually just a tiny slip of a story, Lime Pickled. Um, initially, I wondered why that was the titular story, but I think it's because it's emblematic of really a theme that runs through the rest of the book. This idea of telling small stories about very, very important and big issues. And I think that's something this collection does very well. And the fact that it is short stories actually goes a very long way in capturing a huge diversity of stories. So Lime Pickled in particular is very evocative, right? It's not um, heavy on narrative. It's a mood piece in many ways and it sets the tone for the book. I think that evocative was a word that kept coming to mind while I was reading um, Lime Pickled and other stories because whether it was set in a fictional resort or in the forests and waterfalls of an unnamed but kind of clearly Langkawi Island or whether it was set in in the capital or in the kind of grimier, more difficult parts of the capital city, the whole thing felt very evocative, which added to the fact that sometimes when you're reading when you're reading about what feels like the worst parts of Malaysia. And I, I, I worry that we're making it sound like it's a difficult book to read or like it's an unenjoyable book to read. But that's not the case. Um, because the writing is is assured, because the characters are so well drawn, because the setting is great, you do kind of find yourself moving through the stories at a pace. So I, I don't want to um, discourage anybody from reading it. I, I bring up the difficulty only to... I think make it clear that thematically speaking, and this is something that was very um, obvious in our interview as well, thematically speaking, if you prefer not to acknowledge that there is sort of an underbelly to the country, then I think that's when it's going to get really tough for you. If, on the other hand, you are interested in the human condition, then I think it's going to be fine. Does that make sense? No, it completely makes sense. And and perhaps I will add to that the things that are genuinely, quote unquote, enjoyable about reading the book, right? I love the way Mark writes about places. There is something really vivid about uh, the way he describes whether I, whether quote-unquote Langkawi, uh, what it's like to live in a low-cost flat, what it's like to work in a mama restaurant. You know, it feels like you can you can smell the place, you can yeah. feel the warm air. It's a very, very lived-in quality. I love the way he writes about places. I also love the way he writes about uh, the way people speak to each other. Um, you know, the, the cadence, the words they use to say certain things and how sometimes the things they don't say also means a lot of things. And all of these things are the mark of a person who has, I think, a very observational lens on the world. And it's actually very enjoyable as a Malaysian to read about Malaysia like that. So this is the simple truth of it, right? Half the time, 
or a lot of the time when you read Malaysian novels and stories and you read the dialogue aloud as a Malaysian, you know it doesn't sit quite right. Um, there's something about the way, it's it's the pain of the misplaced la um, or the, the overly inserted la. You know, it, it's that particular pain point where you're like, I don't know anybody who speaks like this. It ends up falling in between things. It either achieves a sort of generic, any this could be anybody and anywhere, or gets caricaturish and it starts to sound like um, we're all kind of Pachukang-ish. And I think that what happens with this is exactly that. When you read these people, when you read these stories and you get a sense of who's speaking, why and how they're feeling. And that's a really important quality, I think, for short stories in which you need to get across as quickly as possible exactly who this person is that you're writing about. You need for the reader to be able to want to continue reading, to um, invest in these characters and this narrative for however long it is that, that it runs. And language does a lot of heavy lifting in, oh, this is an auntie. Right. Um, I, I know what kind of auntie this is. Oh, this is a, a migrant worker in Malaysia, you know, and these are the kinds of interactions that they have. You achieve that, that immediacy of character right away. There are a number of broad spaces and themes and types of stories that, um, you know, that Mark writes about in this book, I was wondering whether you had any particular favorites or types that stood out to you. I really enjoyed the, it might be that, it might be the uh, influence of White Lotus, actually. But oh, the, same. Oh, I, I had completely the White Lotus feel as well. The beach stories. The beach stories, the stories that are set on a, a resort, right? In which you get that exact ju juxtaposition that we were talking about earlier with Mark, which is of privileged or sometimes clueless travellers coming to Malaysia and expecting a very particular experience and getting it, but at what cost? And then on the other hand, you've got the people providing the service to get them that experience and at what cost? And that felt, that that's what I'm trying to get at actually with this issue of culpability, because it's not just foreigners who travel to parts of Malaysia expecting that experience. It's Malaysians. And and it's that same thing. It's that, that feeling of, mm, how much of myself am I seeing in the story? Which you get as well in the stories about um, the migrant workers. I think there's one title... We've talked about this uh, not just on By the Book, but also on our other show, Popcorn Culture. How ready are we to read or um, watch things about the pandemic and some mm. of the stories in here that really detail the effects of the pandemic and the lockdowns are MCO a story titled MCO for, uh, for as an example I think brought me back to 2020 in a very particular way Yes, I found those very difficult and perhaps because of the recentness of, of the feelings um both the most evocative and also the most difficult to read about. But in a larger sense to expand that, for me, I think I just deeply enjoyed the stories that had to do with um, migrant workers in Malaysia. And, mm. and you know, he, he really does capture a fair number of experiences because you have the uh, Nepali community, you have the uh, Bangladeshi community, you have the, the Filipina or the Indonesian community. And um, there are particular stories, but they're all very human, you know, about wanting to fall in love, about the power of touch, about friendship, about feeling alone. And I think for me, those those batch of stories were, for me, what stood out the most. Oh, um, the 
that theme of wanting to fall in love and being unable to, being unable to overcome loneliness, my, my heart broke. Um, I think you mentioned human. I also just wanted to bring up the word empathetic because the, a lot of the stories felt very, they felt very empathetic. They also felt very soulful um, in, the, in a way of capturing, I think, I think it's a combination of the things that we've been talking about, of being able to capture the sense of a country, of being able to capture the sense of the different people who make up the country. It felt like you're looking beyond stories and into the themes as well. Um, I, I don't know, that, that soulful element was something I kept thinking about. We've been talking about Mark Features, Lime Pickled and other stories. It's a collection of short stories. Let us know. Are you a fan of short stories set in Malaysia? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.